the last time it felt as if there was a big shift in the internet or like in internet related technologies, I would say it was like the birth of the app store. Exactly. Like I, per- yes. I, I remember yes. when the app store or just apps became a thing. It was like, well, I have my phone. Why do yeah, I need and I have software. Why do I need an app? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, some quick data here. And the reason why I'm sharing this is, again, to sort of help you, particularly those who might be like our age that are in their you know, 30s and 40s, like just how quickly Mm-hmm. These things sort of go from being an idea to being like really, really huge industries. And so the App Store um, for Apple launched in 2008. And I think at the time it was like, you know, pretty limited. Like, it was. Again, there weren't that many apps. Uh, it was just sort of an idea. Now, according to a recent CNBC article, Apple's App Store, just Apple, uh, grossed more than $64 billion in 2020. Welcome to the Rich and Regular podcast presented by Success, where we explore life at the intersection of money. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Julian. And as the title suggests, today we're talking about the metaverse. 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 You have some effects there. I know. (laughs) I'm excited about this one because this was actually a request from a listener. Yes. And look, if y'all ever want us to talk about anything or cover any subject, please let us know because this one was not on my list, even though it feels obvious now because I've been talking about it. But I just assume nobody else was interested in geeking out with me. So yeah. if there are other things you all want us to talk about, send us a note at hello at richandregular.com. Or just, you know, ping us on Instagram or wherever you see us. Yeah, so this is um, inspired to my homegirl. I've known her for a really long time. Um, I don't even remember how we got into this conversation. It was just random on Facebook. Uh, She was like, can we get a podcast about the metaverse? And I was like, you know what? (laughs) Sure. I was like, I'm pretty sure we just finished talking about it over breakfast or something (laughs) like that. But I was like, you know what? That might be a good one to record. And as we started digging into it, it was like, oh my gosh, like this really is a relevant topic. Uh, And there's a lot to cover. So I'm want to dive right into this. Um, I want to start with my first rem- my first memory with virtual reality. So it was 2015. Many of you know I was working for, we were both working for a hotel company at the time. And we would have this annual conference where all of the hotel owners would come together and we would basically sort of rile them up. And one of the ways that we would do that, my particular team, was to look at or to help them sort of envision what the future of the brand was. And so if it were my job to show you what the hotel room of the future would look like, there were a number of ways that we could do it. We could get high-resolution art and put it up on an easel, and then you could come up to it and say, oh, well, that looks cool. We could spend a bunch of money to literally create that room and drop it off in the middle of a giant Las Vegas, you know, showroom, which is not uncommon, but these are things that people do at conferences. Uh, And then someone had the idea and was like, well, actually there's a way to transport them, you know, Mm -hmm. we can use VR. And so we opted to do that because it was actually a more affordable option. So people would come to that area of the showroom and we would put the headset on them and we would guide them through what the hotel room of the future would look like. And it was a huge hit. And then after that, 
that's pretty much all anyone ever wanted to do. It was like, well, this is a lot cheaper. We should just right. do everything <laughs> using VR. So fast forward to uh, 2019, I left that job. And, and and part of the reason why we I left that job, obviously, was to help build up Rich and Regular. But part of the reason why we were so excited about Rich and Regular is because we were thinking about the future mm-hmm. in a number of ways. And one of those ways was certainly around the intersection of finance and technology, what became known as fintech. All of that to say, I think it was 2019, I decided to like treat myself and I was like, you know what, let me buy something. We're spending a lot of time at home, so we're writing and creating, and I'm like, I just need to unplug at home, and I am not a gamer by any stretch of the imagination, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to buy this new thing that I've been watching. And at the time, like I didn't know anyone who had it, but I was like, you know what, let me just go ahead and buy this thing. And this thing was an Oculus Quest headset, which is a virtual reality headset. It's basically one of the more popular versions of it. Um, It was around... 250 bucks, mm-hmm. I believe. I got it for Christmas. It came pretty quickly. Then I realized that it was actually a product by Facebook. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. It's actually tied to Facebook. And then I started doing all this other research. And I was like, I think this is going to be the new thing. Like, I started seeing Oculus Quest, like the halftime show, watching a basketball game brought to you by Oculus. And I was like, oh, wow, I might be ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that to say, I've been conscious or aware of virtual reality for about seven or eight years now, like up close, having tried it. I became an owner of a headset myself around three years ago, and I've just slowly been watching it become more and more relevant um, over the last couple of years. So um, all of that to say, there are some very clear implications about finance and technology, but I just wanted to lay that context because I think that's part of our experience, but also one of the reasons why we're so excited about virtual reality and the metaverse. Yeah. So for those who aren't familiar with what we're even talking about, let's yeah. back up a little bit. Metaverse. <laughs> I know. In October of 2021, Facebook, which is the world's largest social network and yeah. also the owner of some of your favorite apps like Instagram and WhatsApp, announced that they were rebranding and becoming a company called Meta. And they used this announcement to kind of formalize their focus, their new focus on what is called the metaverse. So basically what Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO and founder of Facebook, wants to build is this new version of the internet called the metaverse, where physical and digital worlds come together. So it's a space where digital representations of people, aka avatars, right? They interact in the same places that we do in real life. So at work, going to concerts, at stores, trying on clothes, it's like a digital version of you that's going all of the places that you would normally go and interacting with people that you would normally see there. And all of this is powered by virtual reality technology and augmented reality technology, which is slightly different, but we'll get into that later in the episode. So I'm going to stop my definition right there because this is the point where we want to refute a very common response to the metaverse, which is, I don't get it. Like, I don't don't understand. (laughs) And and I want everybody to know that you do understand what may be happening is that you don't believe that it can be bigger than what it is right now. I think that's what people mean 
when they yeah. said it. It was like, yeah, I hear you. Just another thing. And I was like, mm, this one's a little different. <laughs> a little this different. one's a little different. Like this, this would be the equivalent of, for those of us who are, you know, in our 30s, like if you remember when the internet started, there's that clip yes. of like Brian Gumbel and Katie Couric, I think it was, <laughs> and they're talking about the internet. And, and if you look back at it now and they're like, what is this WWW thing? Like, what is that? And like, you look back at that now and it's like, oh my God, yeah. like, this was crazy. Like this has the potential with out question to be the, in fact I would say it, it already is I was gonna say it, it already it, it's beyond that you use virtual reality in a lot of ways yeah every time you open up your maps app and you're yeah. following along and yeah. you see traffic jams it's a version of it it's a version it's a very of early it. sort yeah, of to your point 2D. it's almost like an animated version exactly. of it um, so I think one of the best examples is Google Maps so if you've ever used Google Maps like on a laptop um, or even like Google Earth I remember when Google, Google Earth, Earth first came out um, but now what they did was they blended some of the components of Google Earth with Google Maps. And so if you've ever used Street View in Google Maps, which is basically Google Maps, but then you've got like the little icon or the person that you can sort of drag and drop into the pin. And what it does is it just kind of swoosh and it brings you in and it's like you get an actual um, sort of Recording, really. It, it looks live, but it's not. It's a recording of what that space actually looked like at a certain point in time. So, for example, one of my earliest times using that functionality was, again, years ago, but I would just remember thinking, like, I wonder what the old block looks like, mm. like where I grew up. And I, you can type in your old address and you can show it on Google Maps. But if you use that um, street view, it will transform and then you will actually see footage from the last time there was a virtual reality recording mm-hmm. camera, which they literally just plop on top of a car and they drive around the world or ride around the world and then they can see at certain points what that time looked like. So that's one example. Um, there's another example that I would actually encourage you to look at um, and this is on Hulu. So for those of you who have Hulu, there's a show called The Next Thing You Eat by David Chang and I believe it's the last episode, episode five or six, and they're talking about the future of food. But within that conversation, they are talking a little bit about virtual reality and virtual reality technologies and how it has a potential to completely change even the way that we shop or buy groceries online. So right now, if you buy groceries online or use an app, you're accustomed to holding up your phone and you're not necessarily... um, visualizing an in-store shopping experience, but what you are doing is just kind of using an app and selecting mm-hmm. things, the number of things, etc. But imagine a world where you're actually not using your phone, you're just putting on a headset, you are kind of walking through, holding a cart, and it feels as if you're actually in the aisle, you're using your hand mm-hmm. to pick up a box of whatever this new thing is and putting it into a virtual cart, a mm-hmm. real virtual cart, not just a web page, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, I think it's a really great example that I think might help uh, visualize for those people who are still kind of struggling to imagine like what this whole thing is about and what the implications of virtual reality may be in life, but also in your finances. But I think even be above and beyond this example, every billionaire has a vision of what the future looks like. And yeah. arguably they're the ones who are able to shape it they if are. they have our support. 
So if you look at Jeff Bezos from Amazon, he believes the future will be better through solving for logistics and space travel. Yep. Like recognizing that Earth is just one planet out of millions. Yep. So maybe we just find another planet to get resources from. That could be it. Or Elon Musk, who believes in a future that is more like what we've seen on the Jetsons. It's got, you know, Hyperloop tunnels and it looks like places like Singapore where everything's like electric and automated and there's some decentralized crypto on the side. And then Bill Gates is like more focused on the human condition and is doing excellent philanthropic work with disease prevention and clean water access and education, also really important. So while the other billionaires are sort of you know, pivoting beyond what they originally created, Mark is just doubling down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He created the way that so many of us stay connected to the world and to news and to each other. And now he's like, all right, well, how can I make that experience even more intense or immersive? And so I think the question isn't really whether you fully agree or understand what this future vision is. It's not a matter of if he's right or wrong. It's really about who's going to be more wrong first. Yeah. <laughs> you or him. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of reasons that Mark might have a have a leg up on you. I, I mean, I, I listen, I'm <laughs> I'm trying not to be um biased here, but um, I'm not a journalist, so <laughs> right. I don't need to be, you know, beholden to some some artificial standard. Um, but I, so I want to dig a little deeper into kind of like what gives uh, Mark Zuckerberg in particular a bit of an advantage um, and why he may be right. And so I think there are like uh, there are certainly uh, there are at least three reasons. The first one I would say is like data, right. like Mark Zuckerberg, because of the widespread use of Facebook around the world has access to data and information about how human beings think and feel probably to a greater degree than anyone else in the world, right? Which is scary. So the fact that he is making a bet, it's not as if he believes that he has to convince you. Right. He knows knows that this is something that (laughs) you are likely already interested in and likely to do. Uh, And it's just a really, to your point, it's just a matter of time. The second thing is around advertisements and ad relationships. And obviously that is a big component of what makes Facebook so powerful. The fact that because he knows so much information, there's so many companies that are willing to give them boatloads of money in order to say, okay, knowing what you know, how do we ensure that our brands, our services and products are presented in a way that help make us more money? Uh, and he already has relationships with those companies, big mm-hmm. ones, small ones, all around the world. Uh, so he's very well funded. He can try this 15 times over right. <laughs> and get it right the 16th time and it still be world changing technology. Yep. There's an article from The Guardian, which we'll link to in our show notes. And I'll just read a little excerpt from it. It says, Facebook generates huge amounts of money from its core business of harvesting users' data and then charging advertisers to access those people with targeted ads. For example, focusing on things like gender, location, income, relationships. It's far more complex than that, but you know that's what they're mentioning. Um, the ad goes on to say, across Instagram, WhatsApp, Messenger, and of course its platform, Facebook, they generated a net income um, a U.S. measure of profit of $29 billion last year, um, which came mostly from their 2.8 billion daily users. Right. So the notion that they can't afford like a, half the a, world. a $10 billion <laughs> investment on this thing is is, is almost laughable. Yeah. Like they can, they will, they're doing it, um, and that time is here. Um, the last thing I'll say is, 
the people that build this platform are incredibly um, smart. Uh, they 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 are the people that built Facebook that changed the world, <laughs> right? So he has access to best in class developers and engineers, and so the notion that he won't be able to yeah, that's not a uh, that's not a barrier to 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 him being able to do this. Uh, and so I think all of those factors, and I'm sure there are more. I think really kind of lean in his favor. Going back to the billionaire bet and who's going to help shape the future, <laughs> they could all be right as far as I'm concerned. Yes. But this is certainly one that I think is going to be a regular part of our lives going forward. Yeah. 2.8 billion daily users. I think there's only 6 billion people on the globe. Yeah. So when you take out the people that don't have internet access, yeah. the countries that Facebook is banned it's from. Everyone. It's, it's, it's everyone. It's basically everyone. pretty much everyone. Everyone possible. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's wild. But I think the last thing that people are underestimating is that young people already game like this, yeah. right? So for those who aren't gamers or don't have young people in their life, multiplayer games have been the rage for a solid decade. Like you, you basically put on headphones and you can talk to people from around the world while you play against them, right. which is totally different than how we grew up. You right. had to be sitting next to the person, plugged into the same machine. I need to go over your house yes. and sit in front of your television. And you better have enough remotes so right. that we can all play at the same time. Right. <laughs> yeah. So these games are immersive and, and you can also watch other people play. And that's become a huge form of entertainment for young people. There are platforms like Twitch, which are multi-billion dollar platforms that have become huge players in the media space, mostly because people are young people are interested in watching other young people play games. Yeah. And then you've seen the mobile side of it with games like Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go. Yeah. Pokemon Go. <laughs> <laughs> So then you've got the mobile side where you've seen games like Pokemon Go become global phenomenons and you see like weird people, not weird people, people doing weird things like walking around a park looking at their phone trying to catch Pokemon. Oh, I Pokemons. remember that. <laughs> I remember that. That was a thing for a while. Oh, I don't know if it's, it's still, still a thing. I haven't seen anyone do that for a while. Yeah, they still have like meetups. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, you know, this makes me think of, uh, was that this past weekend? Time is flying. Just this past weekend, um, for our listeners out there, um, my nieces, mm-hmm. my our, our son's cousins, basically came over. We had his first sleepover, and it was so much fun. There are two girls. I think they're like nine and eight or yeah, something like that. And um, we obviously had a lot of things to, <laughs> to do just to sort of buy the time. We had them for about a day and a half. And um, one of the things that we decided to do was to play some games on the Oculus. And um, it was so interesting because they had really only done it once before, which mm-hmm. was the last time that they were um, over here. And that was probably a year ago. Mm-hmm. This time they were like asking about it. They were like, hey, <laughs> um, you can know, we can we play that? Yeah, I was like, all right, these other games are great, but we really want to go back down this. So like if that's any indication, like these two girls were uh, super excited about it. They got it really, really quickly. Like it's new, complete, completely different experience, but they got it. You know, like some games like might take you a while. Like, it's you know, intuitive. To they them. mastered it in like the second time. Yeah. And then after that, the next day they was like, all right, now I want to improve yeah. on what I did because I think I can do even better. Um, and I was able to follow along on my phone. I, and they it, wanted to watch it like game film. They wanted like, they to wanted see to it. See what you were watching yep. so they knew how to improve yep. like it was a wild experience and a reminder really cool. of how these younger kids are digitally native yes it's not not no, intuitive yeah i mean there was a learning curve but it was not right. nearly as much as i remember going through when i was like trying to engage with video games or just like new technologies at all like they just sort of 
got it to your point, like intuitively. All right. So before we get into what this could mean for the world of personal finance, I also want to address one last thing, which is the timing. Mm -hmm. So they're estimating that it'll take 10 years to build the metaverse because building it responsibly means collaborating with a lot of different companies, policymakers, experts, and industries to ensure that users are protected. And it's important to clear this up because I think if you only believe that the metaverse is an extension of Facebook, you're going to miss the larger opportunity. The metaverse is not this single product that one company can build. It's literally like the internet. Yeah. It will exist whether Facebook is there or not. It's like Ma- a galaxy. It's like yes, another galaxy exactly, that's being created. Exactly. Mark is willing to fund it and shape it because it's in his best interest and because you know he's a billionaire. <laughs> but it's bigger than, than Mark and it's bigger than Facebook. In fact, they announced a $50 million investment to fund global research and program partners. So, for example, the Digital Wellness Lab at Boston's Children's Hospital is a partner that they've added and are funding because their goal is to be able to help Meta understand how they can foster young people's digital literacy and embed wellness into Metaverse technologies. They've also recruited organizations that help bring underrepresented creators to the metaverse and inspire, you know, ideas around equity and inclusion. All of the things that exist in the real world are going to have to exist in the metaverse. Yeah. And and I think, you know, the last time it felt as if there was a big shift in the internet or like in internet related technologies, I would say it was like the birth of the app store. Ex- like I, per- yes. I, I remember yes. when the app store or just apps became a thing. It was like, well, I have my phone. Why do yeah, I need Yeah, and I have software. Why do I need an app? Like, <laughs> yeah. what is an app? Like? I'm used to buying a disc that I put in my computer. I Correct. download it. Correct. There's no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, some quick data here. And the reason why I'm sharing this is, again, to sort of help you, particularly those who might be like our age that are in their you know, 30s and 40s, like just how quickly mm-hmm. these things sort of go from being an idea to being like really, really huge industries. And so the App Store um, for Apple launched in 2008. And mm-hmm. I think at the time it was like, you know, pretty limited. Like it was. Again, there weren't that many apps. Uh, it was just sort of an idea. Now, according to a recent CNBC article, Apple's App Store, just Apple, uh, grossed more than $64 billion in 2020. I don't know what 2021 or 2022 is. Yeah, last year. But $64 billion, (laughs) just the App Store, right? This is how normal it is, right, like to have an app. Um, Again, when you think about like Google, right, there's a whole other App Store, right? So if you think about that Combined with Google, and I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm just going to go ahead and say it's probably a $100 billion industry mm-hmm. right now, right? So that's how quickly all of these things can happen in just a decade, right? right? And so we've got um, a lot of well-funded people. Uh, we've got a lot of people who obviously have a lot of um, interest mm-hmm. in building this new world. I think it's safe to say, like, don't be slow. You've got an opportunity to get on this early, to start thinking about what the implications may be. And obviously, that's why we're talking about it today. Yeah. There's a framework I like to use whenever we're talking about these windows of opportunity to create generational wealth. If you think of a generation as about 30 years, within that 30-year period, I like to think that I get three shots to be yeah. to make a bet on 10-year technologies yeah. like this one, right? If I had made the bet on the internet in 20 or in 2000, I'd be in a very different place right yeah. now. If I had made the bet on crypto in 2010, I'd be in a very different yeah. place right now. So now that there's this metaverse technology, 
And again, going back to billionaire visions, it's not the only bet that I can make right now, but I need to pick yeah. a 10 year bet. Yeah. And so I can pick any of these things. And the metaverse feels very, you know, aligned to what I already, how I already behave. Yeah. And so it's exciting. Obviously, we've been raving about it. Um, I remember even writing a blog post about it last year. And I knew like it would just sort of like go over a lot of people's heads or just because it was easy to ignore yeah. back then. Right. But now it's like, wait a second. Now people are talking about it. There's this whole idea of the metaverse. Um, and so obviously we're bullish on VR. We're bullish on the metaverse. But that doesn't mean that there aren't downsides. And so one of the biggest ones that I've seen um, that really concern me, and this is relevant for any new space, is the potential or the possibility of fraud. And I think the best and the easiest way that I could see fraud happening, for those of you that are concerned about it, um, is very similar to like what we've seen like with, with cryptocurrency. And in fact, I think it will actually involve cryptocurrency. So for example, let's say you know it's three years from now, and there are spaces online where people are encouraged to like join or meet up like in the metaverse, like no different than you would like back in the day with like Facebook. Um, only this time there's a charge to like get in, right? Mm-hmm. To be like via subscription. Um, and because of cryptocurrency, they may only allow, like, I'm just making it up, like a Kirsten coin or something like that. You got to buy a Kirsten coin to get in this room. Yep. Um, but because Kirsten's so wildly popular and, you know, you really want to see what she has to say and all of the things that she's saying is happening in her corner of the metaverse. Like, you do it. You become a part of this thing. You buy it. Um, you encourage other people to do it. There's an incentive for you to do it. And it just builds and it builds and it builds. And then after, you know, a year or so, Kirsten decides, like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. Bye. And then she just bow- <laughs> she bows out. She cashes I out. I bought an island in the metaverse. She sells all of her Kirsten coin. <laughs> and now you're stuck holding like this stupid coin. And it's like, whoa, it has no value, right? Well, that coin got to be well, stupid. Well, you know, because you know how you do. I brought you good times yeah. while you had well, it. Well, you know, but not, <laughs> what, can I, what am I supposed to do with this K coin? You know what I mean? But we see this, and you joke, but like we see this type of thing. Oh, they call it a pump and dump, right? Yeah. It's like, all right. You know, I'm going to get you all jazzed up, get you all excited, push you to go into this area. I'm going to encourage you to ensure that I have a consistent and steady stream of income. And then I'm just going to slowly back away mm-hmm. and leave you guys to sort of figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you see it happen with MLMs all the time, right? Absolutely. You find a super charismatic leader. Mm-hmm. They introduce the new powder that's going to make your skin glow and you lose 20 pounds and you get super excited about it. Um, you tell your friends and then next thing you know, like after two years or so after you've sort of hit the saturation point, they bow out, they cash out, they move on to the next thing and you guys are left kind of holding the bag. So Mm -hmm. it's something to just be mindful of. Like obviously we want you to be curious. We want you to be I won't say bullish, but if you want to be, go ahead and be bullish. But you certainly want to be mindful of um, what doors yeah. you're sort of walking through, what uh, avenues you're sort of attaching yourself to as you explore this new and exciting world. Great advice. We'll be right back after the break talking about what this could mean for money and sharing a few early ways for you to invest in the metaverse. So going back to your example of the App Store, because I love that. Now, when the App Store launched in 2008, it only had free or paid apps. Like there was only one time to make money. They didn't add the capabilities to do in-app purchases until a year later in 2009. And that's when things really took off, especially for games, because it became this ongoing source and and stream of revenue for, for both developers and for Apple. 
So a few weeks ago, you actually posted this article about JP Morgan Chase and their interest in the metaverse on Twitter and people reacted. Yeah, listen, <laughs> uh, well, I, I think a couple people reacted for a variety of reasons, um, but I think that there are three reasons why I reacted to that article. So the article was was interesting to me for a variety of reasons, uh, but basically it was an article from Fortune, uh, and it basically said that um, the CEO of J.P. Morgan uh, was of the belief that uh, the metaverse could be a trillion dollar a year opportunity. Wow. Um, and I don't know how often our listeners use the word trillion. <laughs> it's interesting to me because honestly, my I say it every day yeah. because my son tells me that he loves me times a trillion. Aww. It's the biggest number he knows, but he still can't wrap his head around it. He also thinks that 70-30 is a number. Yeah, a and big that, one number And that, that's a really big number. <laughs> but like, obviously, a trillion is, yeah. is a huge a number. number. Like people react physically to the notion of a billion. So like the idea that JP Morgan believes that this is a trillion dollar a year opportunity obviously set a lot of people um, or got a lot of people's attention. To put that in context, Canada's GDP is $1.64 trillion, right? Just This is according to uh, Investopedia, like, and this was 2021. Their mm-hmm. GDP, so all the industries combined, is $1.64 trillion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Goldman Sachs, which is another uh, investment in financial firm, they estimate that the metaverse is an $8 trillion wow. global opportunity, Right. And so the fact that you've got Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan weighing in on this idea, uh, already sort of investing and trying to figure out how they're going to make money off of this opportunity is a huge indicator, uh, to you as a potential investor, as a retailer, just as a citizen, that this is the future. They're mm-hmm. basically saying, this is what we want the future to look like to some degree. We're willing to bet big on it. Um, and when you've got the backing of people like J.P. Morgan or companies like J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs, like they set the tone basically for everyone else. So mm-hmm. every other bank, every other financial institution basically follows. Yeah. I'm not a Wall Street analyst, and I know that banks tend to hyperinflate their excitement about <laughs> new technologies. But if the App Store is doing $64 billion a year, and that's just for Apple users, I don't know that J.P. Morgan is that far off with estimating a trillion dollars, especially when you consider all of a bank's functions and the fact that revenue can come from multiple segments. It's not just like, you know, it has to come from an app in the app store. It can come from a number of things in the metaverse. Yeah. And the way that I think about it is that apps were a bit of a mobile derivative of the internet, whereas the metaverse Going back to what I said, is a is like a it's a different galaxy, yes. right? It's not derivative of the internet. It's not it's derivative. A, it's of another anything. internet. Yes, in a way. Yes, right. Yeah. Um, and I think the best way that I could think about it, and I don't know if you know how many big fans of sports that we have out there, but like. If you've ever watched an NBA game, like every corner, I don't know that there's another institution that does this 
to the extent that the NBA does. But if you've ever watched an NBA game and you just look at the number of ads that mm-hmm. you will see, and it's so subtle, right? Like the rim, the backboard will have an ad or a logo on it. The halftime report is brought to you by somebody yeah, else. The highlight, the is, highlight is sponsored Bojangles by such and such. <laughs> if you're just looking at a player, you're going to see a, a, a you know uh, an ad mm-hmm. uh, on their shoulder, jersey. on their jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to see the, the Nike uh, logo on the other side of their jersey. The shot clock mm-hmm. is literally brought to you by Tissot, the watch company. <laughs> then they take it to another level where like the space between the baseline and the actual paint is a digital projection of an ad. So mm-hmm. quarter by quarter, you may see um, hotels.com and then next quarter <laughs> it'll mm-hmm. be something completely different and it changes dynamically. It might even be different for what we're seeing here in Atlanta compared to what someone else is seeing in a, uh, in Chicago mm-hmm. or somewhere else in the world. And so that's relevant because people are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars every single day, every single game mm-hmm. to advertise to people. And so when you talk about like the multiplying effect, like how do you go from billions to trillions, we're talking about like the fact that this hasn't even they haven't even started right. to build this stuff yet and to 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 take it another step further one of my favorite ways of actually watching a basketball game and I don't do this often because it's like a lot to deal with is in virtual reality so mm-hmm. right now if i were to put on my headset i could get a view as if i were sitting on top of the rim. Mm. So like I'm at, like and it's weird cuz like when someone comes and dunks, right? Like it's like someone's running towards me. It is so real. Um that's the kind of experience and going back to what I was saying before, they haven't even started right. to think about what advertising opportunities might look or like or what real estate looks like through the metaverse. They haven't yeah. even started. If you want your storefront on a corner of a busy street yeah. in the metaverse, you're going to have to pay for it. And someone or some institution is going to have to manage those records. Yes. And that's where people like JP Morgan come in. They facilitate these transactions yes. to say, okay, very similar to the first page of Google, this particular place in the metaverse gets millions yep. of hits every single day. Who wants a store here? Who yeah. wants an ad here? Yeah, right now, and, and, and we know the stat because we've quoted it several times, but on average, Americans see between 6,000 and 10,000 ads every single day. We spoke about that in a previous episode. Uh, So like now with the birth of this new world, like that number will go up. And obviously there's revenue and money sort of tied to that particular opportunity. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about the commercial impact. Let's talk about the consumer and the personal impact. I think the impact on your budget is really hard to know. It may just be a shift in how you currently spend without adding anything, very similar to how Apple Pay and digital wallets may not have caused you to spend more, but more of your transactions run through them, right? But in some cases, it may actually save you money. Just like Julia mentioned, if you're a season ticket holder, you may be able to scale back on some of the in-person events because the immersive version of the game is that much better. Same goes for concerts. If you were paying thousands of dollars for VIP Beyonce tickets, but get similar access to her backstage via a metaverse Pass. That, that's already happening. By the yeah, way. you can opt you can, to stay you can, home. You can for decide a of the to cost. go to a concert, and it will feel as if you are sitting in the middle of the stage yes. through VR technology right now. And you might be one of those people who say, "No, there's nothing that's going to be like being in the actual game." And it's like, ask yourself when the last time you were at a movie theater, right? 
that used to be the same thing where it was like, no, there's nothing like being in. It's like, then they started selling 80 inch televisions that come with lighting packages. And now all of a sudden you've got a theater in your own home. Right. But more importantly than just like the events and experiences, I do think that augmented reality has the ability to change people's relationship with investing. So virtual reality is completely virtual. Augmented reality actually combines your real life with a virtual world. Mm -hmm. So the Pokemon game you mentioned earlier is augmented reality. And you may have seen it on some furniture stores like Ikea where you can like place a piece in your home virtually through your phone and see how it looks in your living room. And I think when it comes to investing, brains tend to short circuit on two things, really. The first is the ability to calculate exponentially and really understand the power of compound interest versus simple interest, but also just the ability to see a future that isn't just an older version of you. Yeah. Like imagining a different version of you in the future. Instead of imagining our older selves as different people who have different experience, we kind of just take the version that exists today with all of its current stressors and we just add gray hair and we're like, oh my God, in 10 years, I'll still be worried about the things that I'm worried about today. Yeah. But if you talk to any older person, they tell you like, no, that's actually all small stuff. What you're worried about when you grow older is this new set of things. Yes. And I think augmented reality may be able to help you see that because again, it knows you like, it's weird to say that it knows you, but it's been collecting data for 20 years and you can input data. So there's a version of you that it can create that you may be able to tap into and motivate you to take better care of yourself than you may be doing now, if that makes sense. It it does. And I actually, that's exactly what I think is going to happen. So (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about, because I feel, because I'm, I would imagine, more familiar with VR technology, I'm going to roll the dice and try to see if I can make some literal predictions. Oh, shoot. I don't think, (laughs) I don't even think this is a stretch of the imagination, but I think just to help people, again, who may be unfamiliar with this technology or even just to think through, like, all right, so what does that mean in terms of how I manage my money? And so the first one that I thought of for years, and it's very similar to what you just said, you were talking about being able to visualize what you look like or what you may look like 10 years from now, 20 years from now. I don't believe people have re- any real capability of even visualizing how much money they have. Right. Like you see in a movie, right? Like um, like very few people know what $50,000 looks right. like in cash. Yeah. You don't know what it, like you may think you do because you saw a couple of movies, but you don't really know. But even those are like deeply exaggerated. Sure. Because the stack is far smaller than you, <laughs> sure. than you would think. But, but imagine if you... <laughs> can now get a very real visual representation of how much you have, how fast it's growing or how fast it's shrinking. And then think about how that would motivate you to change your behaviors, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that's something that will 100% happen. Right now, the most most people can do is plug in some numbers into a calculator, see something happen on the screen, but there's no real emotional impact there. Yeah, it's not in a virtual immersive world or environment, I think you've got an opportunity to see that and to feel something very different from what you feel today. The second thing I will say, and this might be a bold statement, but I actually think going back to the income potential, that it will make apps obsolete. Like oh, yeah. apps will feel like holding a cassette mm-hmm. in your hand right now. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you can remember what a cassette feels like what it 
feels like to hold a Game Boy, I'm telling you that an app is going to feel very similar. You're going to look mm-hmm. back at an app experience and say, oh my God, I can't believe this. I can't was, believe this was separate. This was cutting edge technology. I had to leave this app to go to this app? Yeah. Instead of just like walking next door Because if you metaverse. think about the limitations of an app, you can only see one screen at a time. Yeah. In I a can't virtual order environment. Order DoorDash while watching, well, now you can, <laughs> while watching Hulu. <laughs> like, you, you, you I got to leave one to go to the other one. Exactly. In, mm-hmm. an, in a virtual world or an immersive world, 3D or multi-D, I don't even know what that, like, again, even the idea of 3D is like, that's the max. And yeah. It's like, dude, like, like it's, no, it's HD, 4D. It's, it's just immersive. <laughs> it's it's yeah. augmented reality, right? It's beyond that. So yeah, imagine a world where apps, what you know of today as cutting edge, feeling obsolete 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. That's something I think that we can bank on. And even when you think about the way that you engage with a financial advisor, um, like assuming there are still, and I'm, I'm sure there will still yeah. be, like human advisors, the the way that you engage with them will be different. The way that they show you a projection, the term projection, <laughs> I project that this is how much money you may have, or this is the amount of money that you're spending and that this is, will happen. All of that will change because of the metaverse. And so I think that those are what, three examples that I think yeah. some of our listeners can hopefully kind of think about and then say, oh my gosh, like, yeah, that that would that that would be the implication, assuming this is something that's very real 10 years from now. Yeah. If we experience money differently, I think it'll change the way we feel about our of financial course. decisions. And of it course. won't be they won't be made in a bubble. Yep. The good news is you actually don't have to wait 10 years <laughs> to invest and participate in building the metaverse if you believe in it. The first thing you can do and probably should do is test out an Oculus or at least experience VR technology in some way. You can buy an Oculus for about $300 brand new, or you can find a friend and just borrow one. In Atlanta, we actually have virtual reality bars and immersive spaces that are already kind of exhibiting the tech for the general public. But if you're in a smaller city, maybe try an IMAX theater. Again, those are still a little 2D, but at least it'll help you understand how far audiovisual and sensory technology has come if you've been a little removed from it. Yep. And if you're ready to invest, right, you're sold. You don't need to hear another example. <laughs> like there are metaverse ETFs or like individual stocks uh, that give you exposure to the metaverse, if you will, right? So if you want to start investing, um, you can do that. Obviously, uh, one of the ways that you can do that is investing directly through Meta, uh, which is the company that used to be uh, the company formerly known as Facebook. Um, I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination to say that. Meta's focus on the metaverse is very similar to, if you remember or can think about, um, I believe it was a second run that Steve Jobs had when he joined Apple. And it really redefined the company and said, this is who we're going to be going forward. I think it's safe to say that that could happen with Mm -hmm. Meta. And so if you're an investor and you are a fan of investing in individual stocks, that's certainly one way to look at it. Um, Another way may be to invest in other big companies like Microsoft. It's not just Meta. Microsoft is investing in building and wanting to make sure that they have a stake in the metaverse as well. In fact, they just announced the acquisition of a company called Activision Blizzard, which is a gaming company very much known for virtual reality. And so they are investing uh, very heavily in that space. Um, If you want to take a much more diversified and balanced approach, there are now also metaverse-focused ETFs, right? Mm -hmm. An ETF is an exchange trade fund, which is just a form of a mutual fund. 
which basically means you get to invest in a collection of stocks and funds that are related to companies that are heavily invested in the metaverse. And so I think we'll see a lot more of those going forward, and it will just become normal. And so if you are an, an investor, if you... I'm not going to say I'm looking for a way to catch up, but you know, yeah. if you're definitely looking for a way to invest big and you believe some of the things that we've said, uh, this is definitely an opportunity to say, you know what, I want to shift my investment strategy a little bit. I want to bet on these new technologies because I think they do have the potential to change the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. And I think the last and most risky option is to buy metaverse cryptocurrencies. This is not something we recommend as your first foray into crypto for a lot of the reasons going, that <laughs> Julian mentioned earlier. But if you already have an existing portfolio and already have a really high tolerance for risk, you can go full YOLO and buy some metaverse specific crypto. However, by buying it, you're also betting on the fact that the metaverse will be decentralized. And based on these huge investments from banks like JP Morgan and other institutions like Microsoft, I'm not sure that's a bet I would personally make at this stage. There's a lot of old institution money involved in building it. So the idea that it would become decentralized feels a little off. But, you know, this is not investment advice. This is just my opinion gonna, and entertainment. We're going to come back a year from now, <laughs> and I'm going to remind you of that statement. You're going to say, man, I wish I'd have bought that. <laughs> Maybe I will. coin or whatever <laughs> it is. You can Google the two prominent players in, in the metaverse cryptocurrency. But to Julian's point, anybody can create a metaverse-specific crypto. So just make sure that you are being careful and doing your due diligence before you go that route. Yeah. All right. This was uh, a lot, I'm sure. I know. For some people. It's a little longer than our normal uh, I'm sorry. podcast. If you it held on, it, it, this might be the thing that you're going to look back and someone's like, when's the first time you heard about the metaverse? When's the first time you made an investment? Yeah. And hopefully we can say, you're oh, I'm stealing all our metaphors. Think of it project. like the app store. <laughs> I want credit. Yeah, <laughs> I do. All right. Let's, uh, let's wrap this up. What are your final thoughts? All right. My final thought is the way that I'm thinking about the value of the metaverse is whether it has the ability to add value to a person's life or a brand's existing business. And the answer to both of those is allowed. Yes. Because again, I'm comparing it to the internet. Yeah. That's not to say that you can't get by without it. So if you listen to all this and you're like, I don't know, I'd rather bet on Tesla or electric cars. That's fine. There are a ton of businesses that don't have websites today. And there are a lot of professionals who don't have a LinkedIn page or any sort of digital footprint. Hmm. But When those people and businesses are ready to make a change, the first thing that other people recommend is getting online, right? So that's how I'm thinking about it. I don't personally want to sit by, watch the metaverse be built, and then in 10 years, I'm wondering why I can't relate to what my son finds funny or what, (laughs) you know, why my business isn't getting the same opportunities as everybody else. And then everybody would suggest the same answer, like, oh, you should probably get on the metaverse. Like, (laughs) I've noticed you're not there. To your point, I remember those days. (laughs) Yeah. So I I, honestly, I don't know if it's more FOMO or YOLO that's driving me at this point, but I'm looking forward to enjoying the ride and finally being in a financial position and being old enough that I might be able to take advantage of a 10-year technology in a meaningful way. Yeah, I like that. Um, My final thoughts are, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with people. I've only met a few uh, with respect to investing that can tell the story of being able to have invested in something. You know, I know people. Oh well, you know, my dad 
my dad bought Apple when it was <laughs> right. 20 bucks or something like that. <laughs> or right? my dad retired from Microsoft. My dad was retired from IBM back when it was, yeah, so, so we're good. <laughs> um, none of us can go back in time, but we can make sure that we don't look back and hope that we could have. Right. Right. Uh, so I'm not saying, but the farm on it. Um, but the last 20 years, if that's been any indication, if you've been investing in tech, like the reality is it has been incredibly fruitful for those people who've invested. Um, and assuming you can stomach the ups and the downs, which I think, if, you know, there've been a couple rocky, you know, oh, yeah. you know, ups and downs, a couple and big swings more. and there'll be more, but um for the most part, the people who've hung on have uh, ended up in a much more financially stable situation than they would have had they let go. And so for what it's worth, you know, we these days are pouring practically every invested dollar into tech, like disproportionately like than we have in the past. Uh, and so we're definitely going to be considering and looking forward to investing in the metaverse. If you just want to dabble as a user right now, we're actually going to add a referral link um, because as an Oculus Quest owner, uh, I get like a referral link to invite other people to buy an Oculus Quest as well. And so uh, we're going to add a link to the show notes, which gives you a $30 Oculus store credit, which you can use to like buy apps or download whatever else you want. We'll also earn $30 as well. I don't know that that helps you at all, but <laughs> I'm really together. doing it because I think it'll actually give us an indication of how many people actually say, you know what, I'm not going to just listen. I'm going to actually try do something out. about it and try it out. And so hopefully this is a bit of a incentive for you guys to do that. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Rich and Regular Podcast presented by Success. If you found this episode particularly helpful or visionary, please share it and then log into the old, raggedy, non-immersive, non-responsive internet and leave us a five-star rating and review on the podcast page. I'm talking about Al Gore's internet. I know, I've been talking about Al Gore's internet. We will see y'all next week.